one and all to season four, episode nine of Two Guys, One Dice Cup. My name is Al Goldeneye Unicorn, and I will be joined this time by... Bill from Rash's Cairns. Yeah! And episode nine of Two Guys, One Dice Cup is entitled The Big V. In this episode, we are going to do something that we've probably never ever done before. We are going to be looking at the Big V Blood Bowl event, uh, which is held in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, And the reason we're going to do this is I was contacted by a very old friend of mine, Lee Badfang Tresider, who is a resident of Melbourne and a gamer of some repute, um, maybe not in the Blood Bowl scene, because Lee is going to be attending the Big V, and uh, he sent me a message, which when I opened it, and he was asking for help, basically screamed at me, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. And uh, so in this episode, we're going to review the pack, myself and Phil, and then we're going to approach it in our classic sense that we're going to, we've each created a couple of rosters for the audience to digest and for Lee to, um, to have a think about. One of them, what did, we, what did we designate them as, Phil? They're definitely, we, we've gone with one, one that we would say, say is more of a vanilla roster, um, which would be one that would be fairly straightforward to run, and I think most people would get on with each. And then the other one is definitely a bit more on the spicy side. Yeah. <laughs> See what that. Yeah. So, yeah. so at the end of this, at the end of this episode, we'll have had a good chat about the big V. Uh, Lee Badfang Tresider will have four rosters that he can think about, and I guess he'll also find out about the how myself and Phil will approach the creation of the rosters and the participation if we were to go to this tournament how we would analyse the player pack itself that's that's a pretty good summing up of what we're about to talk about isn't it? I would say so yeah absolutely. Good. But before we get into that though we should catch up on all our social stuff in terms of um, gaming since last time mate. What have we done? Um, I think I've played I think I've played three or four games of Blood Bowl since we last spoke. Just That's trying to good. think. Because I, I, I can nip in, I can nip it in the bud for me. Somehow my life has managed to create zero gaming opportunities for me, and I have done no gaming at all for a month. I have not yeah. rolled a single single physical dice or virtual dice, and that is just bizarre. I I think I have played three games of Blood Bowl since the last time we were looking at the results of the league. So I can go through them briefly. Um, so I'm I'm running Chaos Dwarves in the league at the moment in Aberdeen. Um, um, going into that, I'd played... Uh, before this, I'd played two games and won both of them. Um, my third game was against the league this season was against uh, Jamie, uh, JC uh, who is a tournament goer um, in Scotland um, a winner of the first Granite Bowl I think if I remember correctly That's a long time ago now was, four, well more than four years with Covid in, in play yep. uh, so he, he was running Dark Elves um, as I said I'm running Chaos Dwarves 
Um, long story short, both of us had a shit drive, but we both scored each, uh, and it was a it was a draw. Uh, it was a good game though. Um, the next game up, I was playing um, a guy who plays in our league called Graham, who is. He's not new, new to Blood Bowl. He's he's been playing in the in the Aberdeen League for this is his third season, so our seasons are six monthly, so about a year and a half, or less than a year and a half, just over a year. He's not new, new, but he's still fairly fairly new. Um, he's running humans. Um, he makes a lot of mistakes um, through games like sequencing and all sorts of stuff um and he doesn't have a particularly good win rate uh as a result uh he is getting better um he has picked up a few things over the last couple of uh, couple of months um and he and but ultimately he seems to love playing the game and that's the thing that's the important thing whether he's good or bad is neither here nor there uh as long as he likes what he's doing and enjoys the games i couldn't give a fuck whether he's winning or losing um i just want him to have fun um but i smashed it three nil so it was one of those stupid games where like i i didn't i didn't want to win by so much but the opportunity kept presenting itself to score uh so it was just it was just a like a landslide um but he still had a good laugh, which is fine. Um, yeah. My my third game was just last Wednesday and against an, uh, another fairly new player in the league, a guy called Scotty uh, May. He is like he's not new to Blood Bowl. He's been he's played quite a lot of Blood Bowl two online, um, but he's new new to tabletop really. Um, so. Like he's been playing just a couple of months with us now. Uh, he's running Undead, um, and uh, that worked out at being a 1-0 a win to me. He did almost sneak a touchdown in for a... Uh, or get into a position where he could have potentially snuck in for a touchdown. Um, but it involved a pass, and the pass went awry. We had some uh, some contrast in halves as well. Like I uh, smacked the shit out of his team in the first half. I took out a mummy, uh, a white, and uh, a zombie with block um, in the first half. Um, the mummy and the white both regened, and the, but the zombie didn't. But then in the second half, uh, it was the reverse. Like he took out a chaos dwarf. And I think it was two hobgoblins in the end. Um, so we both we were both playing our uh, defensive drives with uh, down players. Um, it just so happened the things that I needed to work worked for me in in my defensive drive, and they did not for him. Um, I think sometimes he still gets his sequencing wrong a little bit, uh, but that's a new player thing, and it's something that takes a bit of time. Uh, to get your head round as to why something's not a good idea sometimes, uh, and when and where you should use rerolls, um, etc. You know, I think it's it's just something all new players go through, 
having been through that myself and it's one of these light bulb moments where you get like your head into understanding what what is good and when to do it and um that only comes with experience um so i'm sure i'm sure he'll get he'll get good as as time goes on uh he's he's definitely got like the tactical brain for for playing i think it's just uh like new player syndrome um so yeah three games uh a, a draw and two wins so at the moment um i'm currently sitting top of the table uh with four wins and a draw but i've got callum uh from um his name his naf name shrike i've got him breathing down my neck with uh his dwarves he's on four wins and a loss um and then everybody else is a wee a quite a wee bit away points wise i think the the middle of the pack are all two wins and two draws um mm-hmm. so it should be it should be an interesting couple of events um in the in the run up to that you know it just it'll just take me losing or callum losing another one and me getting a couple more wins and somebody'll kind of sneak out in front i think uh, but I, I've only I've only conceded one touchdown so far and scored ten in five games. So I'm very healthy going. Pretty happy with that. Yeah. My casualty difference is not as good. It's nine, uh, nine four nine against. So uh, net zero on casualties, but yeah, um, tends to happen with hobgoblins. I think I've actually lost like uh, multiple chaos dwarves as well. Um, and I had to rebuy them, so um, it's uh, it's, it's only a matter of time. I don't know. I'm I'm on my bye week uh, next week, so we have a, like one week during a month where you don't you don't play. So um, I don't know who I've got in the in the league the week yeah. after yet. Cause the fixtures haven't been drawn. Uh, but yeah, that's the only dice I've thrown. Uh, I haven't been yeah. to any tournaments or anything like that. The one thing that just reminded me, though, um, as I said, I haven't played a single game. But one of the fantastic things that has happened to the Blood Bowl World, which I think I should have mentioned at the start, was the Blood Bowl World Cup in Alicante, Spain, has happened. Yes. And I am so happy to have seen so many, you know, what was it, 2,332 players or something Something amazing like that. that. Just posting how happy they were, how much fun they were all having, both during their games, outside of their games, and the hotels, on the beaches, having beers. It was just spectacular to watch. And I know we're not going to talk overly much about it because neither of us were there and we'd just be paying lip service to it. But I was so impressed with what I saw and from what I've heard from people that I know that were there. And uh, uh, congratulations to that team that ran that event. They were fantastic yeah it, uh, for, as an outsider looking in um i guess i was definitely a bit jealous uh, yeah. that i didn't go and th- I, i'll be upfront about it the reason i didn't go was because uh dornburn was such a letdown and i was reluctant to spend as much money again uh to go uh but um yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad it was good this time round. Like yep. I, I know a, a bunch of folk who went, and 
the Scottish, the like the complete Scottish team that went um, the kilted coups did reasonably well actually. They did uh, pretty good, and there was some good solid individual performances in amongst their results as well. Yep. So yeah, it was good. And and watching that World Cup, I I didn't go for slightly different reasons. I I've, I got caught up in you know between 2019 and now caught up in the world of bolt action, and you know everybody knows that listens to this. Podcast knows how driven I am by it, and so I just never put the World Cup on the radar. But a great thing happened that I think snapped me awake back to the world of Blood Bowl, and it was my um, my friend. His last name is Gilco. Uh, he's a French player, um, Gilles Constantin. I can't pronounce his name because I'm terrible. But Gilco, and we met back at the World Cup in 2015. And I won't bore the audience with the story, but he's a he's a fantastic and he's an amazing painter, and I'm I'm a really good painter. But we both ended up with um, painting awards at that event, and we played each other the round just after the painting awards had been done. So we were complimenting each other on our teams, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and we drank beers and had a great time. So we've always stayed in touch, and we've always met each other at um, you know the, the following World Cup. Eurobowls, you know, other big events, and we've always stayed in touch. And it was when Gilgo sent me a message, I think it was on the Wednesday night before the World Cup, asking, where are you? What hotel are you in? And this real emotion built up in me. I'm like, I'm not going to see my pal. Oh, no. And then I got confused as to why I wasn't there. It was like I'd woken up from some sort of strange dream. (laughs) It's like, why am I not there? Why, Why am I not, you know, seeing my friends in Spain, uh, you know, from, from all around the world, and, and then getting to watch all these other players meeting up with their friends in the same relationships and these international friendships that we all have. And it was just this, that it was a light bulb moment of, you know, I'd already decided that I wanted to play more tabletop Blood Bowl again, but it was just, it was like a, a lightning strike of, you know, you need to play more tabletop Blood Bowl and you need to start playing internationally again to I don't want to get another message from Gilco asking where are you it's just that it was madness so even though I never played any more games the you know I knew a new fire was lit under me for tabletop blood bowl again and I'm, I'm very passionate to, to follow that through again so um but yeah the world cup watching it you, you knew you wanted to be there yeah, I think the only the only thing that was a bit, I'm I'm reluctant to say disappointing because um, it that's um, not, and I understand there's like a, a lot of pressure on on the teams that are running it on the day um, to do the the job, their job, which is getting the thing running. Um, but the, the communication of like standings and results during the weekend was a bit hit or miss. Um, you, I I was hearing a lot of it more from uh, the people who were there rather than um, sort of seeing it. So I mean, I, I think I I guess that's because we're used to looking at like results coming on through on tour play now. Um, now I understand that like a tournament that big is it's difficult to run that on tour play because if something goes wrong, um, or it's it's got more problems associated with it than a sort of. Uh, standard computer-based kind of tournament run, but 
Um, it would have been nice to have a bit more kind of of the info of that coming through from maybe the NAF. You know, they had people that were there, you know, like I'm sure there would have been somebody who could have kept an eye on it. And uh, even if there was, even if they weren't there, somebody from the NAF could have been posting up the results or, or like screenshots of that sort of shit. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe there's things that could have been done. I know you could go and have a look at them, um, but that was behind a login. So you had to sign up to the the site. Um, I guess my only feedback on that is a lot of folk don't want to hand over their uh, email addresses just to have a look at stuff like results. It'd have been nice if that had been in front of the uh, that section so that all the input of results was behind the login and the actual results were just posted on the website because yeah. the website was fucking pointless outside of logging into it. There was no interaction on the website for anybody who didn't want to log into it. So from a, a friction reward point of view in the old kind of sales terminologies, there was a lot of friction to get any reward. Um, it's just small stuff like that. You know, I know other yeah. folk were a, a bit kind of put out by that. Uh, and I, it's not like I was put out by it. It's just a, an observation. Um, I was still getting the results through. It's just it could have been could have been done a little bit differently, yeah. in my my opinion. Now, for me, uh, it but, was pure envy of everybody that was there that had such a good time and a, a job well done. Yeah, absolutely. It looked like they did a really good job of keeping it going and running. I know that uh, it's a it's a, a very difficult task when it's something that scale uh, to get things to run smoothly, and um, they did an an absolute. Uh, they played a blinder by the sounds of it in terms of keeping it going and and stuff. I know they had some hiccups which are to be expected in these things, but they they managed them a lot a lot better than uh, than the previous uh, World Cup had. Yep. Um, obviously through lessons learned and how that uh, that works and um, yeah, I, I credit to the the organisers for putting on something yeah. that was a. a a, a good spectacle for the folk who were there. Definitely. So with all that being said and done, we're obviously not going to talk any more about the World Cup just because we weren't there and I'm sure it will be covered by many other um, content creators that were there and that, that is their due. So, uh, so yeah, from not playing any games, it was really good to watch some, some big results and big, big events happen. But uh, outside of gaming, mate, what's... Um, what have you managed to achieve hobby-wise? Um, I've done some stuff. I'm like, I've had a kind of bit of a holiday between commissions and an enforced one because um, I didn't really want to burn out um, painting Blood Bowl teams over and over again. Um, so I've kind of taken a, a few weeks off as well as painting the odd few things here or there. Um, I have painted... Um, so I painted a, I think I was, a, a, last time we we spoke, I was painting a Nurgle Demon Prince for a, for a game of 40k. Fuck, that reminds me, I played a game of 40k, a 10th edition <laughs> game of 40k. And you had played something else. That was fun. I, I, I won't go into too much detail with that, but it was a good laugh. I played against uh, Ross Anderson, uh, Hipster Potter. Yeah. Um, he was running orcs. I was running Nurgle, but I I paint uh, and uh, Nurgle won. 
I painted a demon prince for that. Uh, that was the um, uh, old uh, Mammon transfigured model from Forge World. Um, so I got that finished in time for the game. Um, I started and finished the actual painting of the Granite Bowl NAF trophy. Yes, uh, that so was really good. That's done. Um, I just need to do the basing of that. Um, so that that's a five minute job. Um, and I've also been painting uh, Chaos Dwarf Sorcerer and Lamassu for uh, like Warhammer Fantasy slash Old World when that that appears. Um, I'm I've kind of stalled on that a little bit. I think I'm about sort of. 90% finished the Sorcerer. I just need to give him a coat of matte varnish and a few highlights. Um, and the Lamassu itself uh, is about 60% done. He needs the rest of his skin done and then all the details. Um, so I've been doing doing quite a bit on that, but I, I've literally taken two weeks where I haven't painted anything, uh, which I think has been really good. It's been nice, a nice reset. Uh, done some other shit instead. So, yeah, uh, that that's about it on that front. I've been I, I enjoyed painting what I'd done of the Lamassu so far. Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully, it's going to turn out okay. But um, I should be I'll I should be finished that fairly quickly. I think once I get back into the swing of things, and then I've got commission coming up again at the end of the month. So, um. I'll be busy enough. How about yourself? What have cool. you been painting? Well, I finished off, I'm sure I mentioned last time, I'd started painting a little um, Polish bolt action army. Yes. So I'm just putting the finishing touches to the, there's a truck that comes with it, but it's got a passenger, so it's got like eight soldiers in the back plus a driver, so there's a lot of extra detail on it. Um, so I'm almost finished that, and once I complete that, I'm going to stop the um, slap chop addiction that I've done this year, like I've produced a lot of models, mm -hmm. but I am tired now of the the lower quality that they are. I want to see, I want me to get back to producing really cool stuff. You know, stuff that I'm proud to put on the table and and know that the the time and love has been put into it. Hey, uh, and to that end, I have got. I have started painting three motorbike sidecar um, pieces to expand my Confederate uh, American army, and I need that for a tournament, for a bolt action tournament in Hap that's happening in a couple of weeks' time. It's the Bolt Action Scottish Nationals, so it's quite an important event in the Scottish bolt action calendar. I would like to win it, um, although it will be a very, very, very tough ask, as there's there, there are 22 players signed up and 10 of them are from outside of Scotland, and it's some of the best players in England, Wales, and Denmark that are coming over. Um, so that's that's great, because you know, you're going to get a really good challenge, and they are coming over to play the best of the Scottish players. Um, the only disappointing thing, I suppose, for me is that, obviously, as I just said, that as it stands, there are only 22 players signed up, but almost, you know, just under half of them are not from Scotland, so it's a bit disappointing that the um, maybe perhaps the Scottish organiser hasn't done more to engage with the Scottish community 
Um, but that's like it is what it is. I'm, I'm not. It's not my event. I'm not running it. So I just want to. You know, it's a good number up. of players from outside Scotland, though. On the flip side, yeah. that oh yes, it's a fantastic achievement. But wouldn't it be so much better for any event to have those external players supplement a big event? Yes, rather than you know, so, yeah, 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 exactly. Rather than be, uh, being you know that much of it, but anyway, that's what it is. So I want to make sure they're ready, and then I have started painting. Uh, um, it's called a Kugelblitz. It's a German World War Two tank that was sort of designed on paper, but never actually made production. You know, tail end of the war, nineteen forty-five. But uh, I'm painting that for a tournament in October, which is a team event down in England, and um, usually, I, usually I keep these things secret, you know, secret tanks always got secret something bolt action on the go, but I'm tired of the secret stuff, so I'm just going to tell people what I'm painting um, and as I'm painting this tank I'm doing it as a, a painting guide, which I will be releasing on Bo Mortensen's um, bolt action channel and it's it's a sort of tie-in with the, the Megatron 3000 sponsors that I've had as well, so um, yeah, it's quite good fun doing that. So, you know, as I said, I'm I'm finishing off the, the slap chop low quality stuff, and then I'm I'm switching my focus back on to the the, the, the good the good quality stuff that I can produce. And to finish off this bit before we start talking about money, the last podcast I said I would get my 3D printer out of the box. Yes. I have I have done it. The 3D printer is out of the box, set up. Uh, my cleaning station, my curing station is all out of the box, set up uh, and tested. I just I haven't done a test print just yet. Uh, just my timings with my, you know, downtime from being a parent and you know personal time to do stuff has has sort of been misaligned. But the you know everything I need is is in the in the in within touching distance. You know, so I've got the resin. I've got the alcohol for the cleaning. Um, I've got all the tools that I need, gloves, masks, all that gear. Um, I just need to set up a file on the slicer and then plug it in and cross my fingers and start on the road to disappointment. <laughs> that I know yeah, a lot yeah, of people. Yeah. Trying to work out yep. what the fuck went wrong with it. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Aye. So, so yeah, the, the next podcast, Episode ten. I'm sure I will be cursing the 3D printing um, situation, or I, or I might be really loving it, depending on how it all goes. So, yeah, good shit. Good yep. shit. How's your expenditure been, mate? Oh my god. Oh no. <laughs> Has it been bad? It's, it's been a. It's been a month. Yeah. Oh, so, so for, for regular listeners, you know what this little segment is, but for, for new people to our audience, myself and Phil are, have been in the past notorious for spending cash on our hobby. And it got to the point where it was, we, were, we were getting to, it, was, it was getting a bit ridiculous. So we decided to turn it into a game and that during the month, we never directly tell each other what we've bought. But we're in a few group chats and we always talk about different things we've seen or we're thinking about buying and picking up. Um, so we leave each other little clues um, as to what we've done. And then when we come to record, we, um, we get to guess the, the total of each other. And it's more like a, 
sort of name and shame situation these days. Um, And we get three guesses each, and then we have to, you know, own up, admit to what we've spent our money on, and uh, tell us about it. But the the one thing people or our audience do realise is that money can buy you happiness. Yes. Shame and happiness. Shame and happiness. And lies to your significant partner in life. I've stopped even trying to hide stuff. I just tell her. I just tell her when I've bought things. <laughs> oh dear. Um, okay. Okay. So you're getting mine. Um, okay. Right. Well, as our regular listeners know, and for the new audience, you have got an addiction to old hammer. That yes. is your downfall. But you've I'm also sure got. I'm going to die of lead poisoning. Oh, yeah. But you've also got an addiction for the new stuff that Games Workshop brings out. Which is... Uh, you buy a lot of it. You buy more than me. Well, yeah, some. some. Yep. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off reasonably high at £272. Less. Thank goodness. Uh, £225. More. Okay. £244. Oh, close. Very close. Okay. 249.97. Good job. So for, just, so for just shy of £250, what happiness did you buy, Phil? I bought no new models this month at all. This is all old-timer crack. Okay. So I bought uh, 12... Marauder uh, orcs uh, that happened to be painted already, although that's neither here nor there. And it's got a reasonable paint job. Um, I will probably use them until I can be bothered painting them again. Um, so I bought 12 of them. Um, that ran in at about, I think it was about 80 quid. Um, bear in mind, I, I had uh, birthday money from last month burned a hole in my pocket uh, for this as well. So it's, that's probably overinflated this a little bit. Um, so I picked up them. Um, I managed to grab uh, 12 orc archers as well. Uh, sort of old. Um, these ones are pretty old hammer, actually. They're, they're like proper old hammer. They're, they vary in age from uh, 38 years old to... Uh, I think probably th- think thirty at the at the youngest. Um, so they're 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 proper uh, proper old hammer models. They're really nice. So I picked up a a, a couple of uh, command models as well, and that they, they ran a little bit more expensive uh, as they always do for those ones. Uh, they were about just under thirty quid. For the three command models, I then purchased a Chaos Dwarf crossbowman. Uh, he mm-hmm. uh, cost me seven fifty. Uh, it was what one of the two sculpts I don't have for the the old Realm of Chaos crossbow guys. Um, I also bought um, 
like a job lot of the black plastic crossbows and she and some marauder shields um i think that was about 22 pounds or thereabouts um i think i got about 16 of the black plastic crossbows in, in the end um yeah. which i needed for the chaos dwarf crossbow guys because they didn't have any crossbows um i got sixth edition fantasy uh, rule book um the ravening hordes supplement uh dark shadows uh supplement oh love that and great one yeah the, the one that's set in albion uh yeah. and um the war master rule book for 30 pounds is a lot that's so, nice that's a decent haul on those and then the most recent expenditure was uh for grom the paunch you know the uh um yep the, the goblin uh that you you got the standee for uh in the fantasy box set at the uh in the starter set mm -hmm. but they obviously produced a proper model later on so i got him and 30 uh, monopose goblin archers for 35 pounds nice work so a lot of stuff i think that's what we see 12 it's 25 55 56 yeah 57 models in total so happy. quite happy with the outcome <laughs> but, happiness but, but lighter of bank balance as a as a result. Yeah, yeah. I, I like. I, I'm every time I say like, oh fuck, I'm not gonna. I'm I'm nearly there. What I want. Like, there's I I see things that remind me of. Oh yeah, I like that one as well. Um, and then I just end up kind of keeping an eye on them. Uh, this was another month where a bunch a bunch of stuff that I'd been keeping an eye out for appeared all at the same time for reasonable prices. Um, so it was just just being opportunistic. I did miss out on the elf lord on giant eagle that Marauder Miniature did. Uh, Marauder Miniatures did, um, because I was waiting for payday uh, yep. to purchase it and I buy it now, and somebody bought it the day before I <laughs> the day before ah. I paid myself. So I should have just paid for it out of my savings, but uh, and and then just reimbursed myself later. But uh, fuck, uh, th that one will annoy me because it was it was a pretty good price on that one as well. Yeah. Um, it's one I've been after for quite a while. But you win oh, well. some, you lose. Not meant right. to be, mate. On to your expenditure. I, I am pretty spent much at all. Yep. Um, I do think you have spent some. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say it is under £30. Correct. Um, £17. A little bit higher. Okay. £19.99. pence. Okay, so so twenty quid then. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah that 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 pretty much nails it on the head, mate. So it was just one rule book for bolt action that I picked up, um, which I'm sure I didn't hadn't bought last time. It was the the new Italian campaign called Tough Gut. 
it's the second of three campaign books that are detailing the the Allied invasion of Italy during World War Two. Okay. Um, and it's just a good. It's just another addition to the the collection. Um, so it's detailing the. I think it details the assault on Monte Cassino, uh, the assault on Rome, the the switching of allegiances of some of the Italian forces from Axis to Allied, uh, and to some of the other equipment and troops that were involved. So it's just another book, another book to read. It's got some theatre selectors, which I'm sure I'll see at next year's Megatron 3000 full action event. Um, and so I just need to make sure I am up to speed. Uh, with those, so yeah, it's good. I've got my, I've got the next book on pre-order, which comes out in October. So obviously, we'll maybe talk about that in October. Um, but no, I'm not, not going to be counting money spent on 3D printing supplies because that's not stuff. That's just that's just consumables. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I, I light, I light. Um, month for me but that's that's no bad thing yeah yeah i i could do a light month uh i think um i think i need to like hide my ebay account <laughs> or something in the next couple of months just uh just put, put a, or or get my wife to change my password yeah uh, so I, I, I don't buy anything i that I um I've never had an Etsy account up until maybe a couple of months ago. And um I'm just cruising through different suppliers and sort of adding things to my favourites list. And the more I add, I think the more I realise is like you need to get your CD printer started. You need to do this yes. yourself. Yes. Um uh, there's a bunch of things you'd be able to get yourself yeah. sorted now your three D printed up. Yep. Uh, um but with with all that being said and done Lee Badfang Tresseder has probably been hanging on to this podcast, listening to us talk about you know good quality hobby chat. Um, but he will be hanging out to hear the advice that we're going to be given um, for creating a roster for the big V. So, are you are you ready to start? Do you think? Yeah, I think we need to kind of set the scene a little bit. Like, I don't really want to read through the entire uh, like roster creation process i think the best well, why thing don't, I see, why don't you let me just yourself. wave why don't you leave me to wave a big brush just to give the listeners um a quick overview of what yes. we've got so the bigvbloodbowl.com is the website and to create your team is 1.1 million gold pieces so a little bit yeah. less than is sometimes the norm uh, they've given you full access to all the different teams, including teams of legend um, and NAF tournament teams. So they've, they've slammed. So they've linked all that on their website. Uh, inducements uh, are included, but there's no wizards allowed. They've tiered up. Um, they've tiered up the teams as you would expect. So. You know, you've got Dark Elves, Lizardmen in Tier 1, Chaos Renegades, Humans, Necromantic Horror, Tier 2, Tier 3 is Goldborough, the Lions, and Snotlings, then Tier 4 is the, um, you know, Goblins, Ogres, etc. Uh, they have made available the extra stunty teams, 
So it's um, Stunty Lizards, which is the skink only, Stunty Underworld, which is goblin only, and the Stunty Black Orcs, which is the goblin bruisers only. And I think the Underworld then, Goblins, I think the Underworld Goblins ones also include Snotlings. The only yeah. thing you can't take is Skaven and uh, on the team. Uh, you yeah. can take the Rat Ogre, the Troll, and then Goblins or Snotlings from that, yeah. from what I could gather. And then for the different advancements, they've got the tiers broken down again, and you get your um, a number of star player points, which is the equivalent of, you know, so tier 1 is 42 star player points. Uh, which is seven primary skills or the equivalents you can um you can choose secondary skills which they've costed up. So a secondary skill will cost you twelve points, primary skill costs you six. They talk about stat increases, but I'm not gonna bother getting into into that. Um and they've got a limit on additional skills, so you can't add more than four. You know, you so if stack, it's, you can stack skills though at no additional cost. Uh, up to a maximum of six on a player as yeah. well. Uh, and then they've got a ruling that moves if you include a star player uh, it moves you up tiers. So if you're a tier three team and you take a star player then you go to tier two. So if you do take a star player you lose out on star player points. And one rule that I had forgotten existed as an option for tournament organisers is the Highlander rule. And basically, if two coaches sit down and they've got the same star player rostered onto their teams, neither player gets to use it because there can be only one. Um, I had forgotten this option even existed. Um, it didn't fill me full of good feeling. I think it's not something I would ever go down, but it is what it is. Yeah, I think um, it's a weird one, that, because... Uh, like there are some teams that that would affect quite a bit more than others, um, yeah. but um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not firmly against it, and uh, but uh, yeah, I don't think I'd ever choose it for for my own tournament. No, I think not. I. The other thing, so I don't know, maybe I've picked this up wrong as well, but like you could only take one star player on a team if it wasn't a stunty team. Stunty teams can take two. So the way I, I saw that was that if, you know how you were saying, you move up a tier uh, for each star player. So if you were a stunty team and you took two star players, you would move from tier four to tier two instead. So I think that that's uh, uh, that's the way I'm reading that as well, because it does men go to the point of mentioning each star player taken by a team will move that team up one tier. Right, so, I might have misread that myself. So one of my rosters might not be accurate. Um, but, you, nah, you, well. Yeah, you'll be able to, you might be able to kind of catch that on the fly. Um, yeah. And I'm sure Johnny will, uh, if you listen, uh, he, he was right on that. But oh, you mean Johnny, I, yeah. Johnny, the TO, John, Johnny Wilkinson. Yep. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, there's uh it was it's quite it's quite there's quite a lot in there um but i think as i and initially when i i first started looking at that roster creation i was like oh my god how the fuck am i going to work this out but 
it does it does make sense as you're it does. through it. It does. So and it's not so, it's not as bad as you'd think. And so what we decided to do was that we were going to approach this from having having a, a serious team. Yes. One that we would take if we wanted to compete for, you know, a podium place. And then we would each create a, a wild card team, something that would be a little bit left field. Yes. So I think we should start with the serious stuff. Uh-huh. As and to what we, what we take as a kind of more vanilla option, yeah. Yeah, the option is, you know, if you want to throw down and make a play for the sort of the trophies, what, what would you take? And, you know, when Lee contacted me about this, I asked him, I was like, what... Um, what miniatures have you got available? And he's like, look, I've got access to pretty much all teams. And that'll be through his own collection and through his um, through his friendships. So we could borrow them. Yeah. So so we we don't feel like we're limited um in that sense. So do you do you want to start with how you settled upon your sort of vanilla competitive team? Yeah. Or do you want me, yeah, I mean, do you I want can, me to start? I can do that. Oh, no, I can do that. Um so okay. Um, I was looking through this list and initially I was like, oh yeah, I could take that, that or that, that and that. And then I remembered it was TV 1 million, uh, 1.1 million as opposed to TV 1.15. Um, so I was like, ah, okay, right. So that changes things a little bit. And it kind of got me back into thinking as to like what, what teams were less affected by the sort of price adjustments and increases in as we moved into BB2020. And the one I fell upon was Shambling Undead. Okay. Uh, because you can still get a fairly similar team to the one that you that you used to run at 1.1 uh, in tournaments previously. Um, so I went with two mummies, two whites, four ghouls, and four zombies and three rerolls, and that comes in at one point one on the nose. Um, oh, yeah. so vanilla, fairly straightforward. Undead are pretty competitive. Um, they have a good range of players and player types um, that can do different things. Uh, they're quite forgiving in the fact that almost everyone's got regen apart from the ghouls. So for a, a, even for a newer player, it's a fairly safe roster. Uh, but for an experienced player, there's so, there's certainly stuff that you can work with there. Now they are tier one, mm -hmm. uh, so you get access to forty two SPP, um, which works out as seven primary or equivalent. So I'm I'm looking at uh, at that and thinking right, okay, what what's the obvious things for me? So the obvious thing is if you have access to a secondary skill of any sort, you're going to chuck block on a mummy yep. for me personally. So I, I took one block on a mummy for uh, for 12 SPP, uh, which is how much a secondary skill costs. Uh, I then took, um, so 12... I think I've taken one less skill than I should have. I then took um, uh, 
sorry, let me work this out again. My chicken scratch writing's awful. Uh, 12, 24, 30, 36. In fact, yeah, I've taken one skill less than I should have. Um, I took two block on um, ghouls. So that gave me, uh, so that works out as 12 SPP. Uh, so they've got, um, um, so that's me up to uh, 24 SPP. Um, I then took wrestle on a ghoul. At, uh, so that's six SPP there. Um, so that takes me up to 30. And then I took guard on uh, one white and mighty blow on the other. So that takes me up to 42. Does that tally for you mentally? Mentally it does, yep. Yes, there we go. I, I, I'd confused myself by writing one guard or mighty blow, but it's one guard and one mighty blow. Uh, so that, that, that's, that's me. And I thought that gave me enough flexibility. I could have gone, so, I mean, the other way I could go is chucking um, another block on, because you're allowed four repeats of a skill, I could have, rather than taking just two block on ghouls, I could have taken um, like an, a third block on one of the other ghouls rather than guard or mighty blow on the whites, on one of yeah. the whites, but mighty blow is good for removal, uh, and guard is something, it just gives you something to work with on, um, and some, something for your opponent to deal with as well. So mm -hmm. I thought it gave me a bit more flexibility. I'm still not taking on taking tackle uh, at the moment in tournaments, unless it's already built into a player that you've got. I just don't think yeah. there's as many, as many dodge teams, although there's stunty teams, of course, but then they don't have blocks, so you're you're, you're able to deal with them a little bit easier on that front as well. Yeah, no, I understand that that reasoning. Um, you know, because if if you do spend your points on tackle and then you come across a team that doesn't have dodge, it is a wasted a wasted skill. Um, yeah, and even to, and to have a wasted skill, even if it's in just one game of of Blood Bowl, you know that's um, you know that that's a frustration. You know, it puts you it puts you at a disadvantage. Um, yeah. To waste it. I had I had toyed with the idea of putting, um, block on both mummies, as well. Uh, because yeah. there's no limit to the amount of uh, secondaries you take or anything like that. So no, the the, the limit is your star player points that you have to spend. Yeah. So. Like that was an option. I had thought about skill stacking, um, but then you take you, the problem with that was you were taking the spread away from more players. Uh, for me, uh, I felt I would have been sort of st stretching into more spicier territory uh, with it, with that sort of thought process. So I thought, no, if you're looking at something a bit more vanilla that still gives you the stuff that you need. To do the different things, then uh, that roster made more sense for that for me. Yeah. 
How about yourself? What did you go for for the vanilla one? Well, when as you're looking through the player advancement, so tier one to seven primary skills, that was the first catch for me is that I should just stop at tier one. If I can get seven standard skills on a tier one team, that's that's pretty good. You know, it's one more than, than I'm probably used to playing with. Mm-hmm. So that was that first rationale of, right, I'm going to stop, look at Tier 1, what's in Tier 1? Amazon, Chaos Dwarf, Dark Elf, Dwarf, Lizards, Norse, Orc, Chamblin Undead, Skaven, Wood Elves. Okay. So I'll look at that list for myself. Teams I know that I'm not good, at, not good with. Wood Elves, shit, I can't do it. Dark Elves, can't do it. Um, Amazons are the same. For whatever reason, those teams I can't play well with. Um, either through lack of practice or through actual knowledge of no, you can't play those teams. So from the list that's left, dwarfs. I've been playing a lot of dwarfs this year, but I know that I struggle to win games with them. I can get lots of draws, which is exactly what dwarfs do. So, but if I'm wanting to go to to this event to win, then so take them off the list. And then shambling undead, I've struggled with. I know they're a good team. Sense efficiency in myself as a player. Um, I just can't make them work yet. So that leaves, that left Chaos Dwarfs, Lizards, Norse, and Orcs. I'm okay with Norse. Uh, I am okay with Lizards. Orcs, I'm still unsure about, and that's the change that's happened with Animosity in the team. I haven't played Orcs in the in this this current edition of the game, so I had to discount them. Um, and then that boiled it back down to the Chaos Dwarfs for me. I've got the experience with them, uh, so that's it's not a great um, learning curve. And so when I started to slap the roster together, it, it fell together for me pretty much perfectly what I would want. So two Bull Centaurs, Six Chaos Dwarf Blockers and four Hawk Goblins for 12 players. I got three rerolls, I got an Apothecary, and that landed at a 1.1 on the nose. Yeah. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't not do that. And then to distribute seven uh, primary skills, Block Block on the Bull Centaurs, three Guard, mm-hmm on the Chaos Dwarf blockers. Uh, I need a ball carrier, so one of the Hobgoblins gets sure hands, just for the reroll and the preservation of the three team rerolls. And then I am a really dirty player, and so dirty player on another Hobgoblin to, um, to get in there and to use the guard to assist the fouls, uh, just to start that... that um, Miniature removal process. It, it just the roster just screams out uh, its ability to remove models and control the pitch, uh, and then it's got those you know two uh, movement six strength four pieces in the bull centaurs, you know sprint sure feet and block. So they've got really good reach um, if they need to take part in a in a blitz action. Um, yeah, I think a roster like this in the hands of a very experienced player um, would happily knock on the door of the top five of any event. 
Yeah, Chaos Dwarves are a good team. Um, I like, um, I mean, like you say, a lot of it kind of just paints itself. The block on the the bull centers is an obvious one. This is also an, a roster which doesn't suffer from the uh, the four uh, repeats of a skill. Um, Correct. So um, it's uh, it's easy. Um, you could even have just decided, oh well, I don't need the dirty player. I could have, I could have four guard uh, on the yes. dwarves, um, or you could have gone three guard and a mighty blow. Um, I think all of those are are viable, um, and the sure hands on the hobgoblin is, I think, is a good one. Um, it's it's always a bit of a, a difficult it's a difficult choice with the um, with chaos dwarves because you kind of want to carry on the the bull centaurs uh, because they're strength four, um, but. Uh, they're lower agility, so picking up the ball is actually more difficult, and mm -hmm. uh, dodging away is more difficult. So if you can, if you can carry on a um, a hobgob, great. If you get a touchback, it's probably going on the on the bull. Correct. Um, but yeah, it does stop like somebody doing the old strip ball shenanigans uh, with you if you've got sure hands on a player as well, of course. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 not a bad shout. But with the blockers and with the the bull centaurs, you know you can you can form a really good cage. You can put a really good screen up against it, you know, to to protect that whole goblin um, in the middle. And you know what? I haven't played a roster very similar to this in the past. The the three guard is usually enough. If if you you can lose, you can afford to lose one of them, um, and go down to two guard. You know, as long as it doesn't happen too early in the game, um. But I think having that additional dirty player for me would it would it would discourage any cage dives from my opponent if they if they weren't if they weren't convinced you know that they had the right skills to get in there and, and pull the ball carrier down. If somebody cage dives and you know falls flat on their face, then the dirty player waltzes in and stomps them. Yes. Yes. So, 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 so for Lee, or for any other sort of potential players going to the big V, those are the two um, serious rosters that myself and Phil would present to you, and um, both of that, we would we would take these rosters to the event, um, you know, to to take part because uh, it's it's a good player pack, you know, and it, yeah. and, the, and competitive rosters fall together quite easily once you sort of go through your own process. I. I talked about how I would arrive, how I arrived at the Chaos Dwarfs as opposed to the other teams in Tier One. Um, but now, yeah. now we're onto the wild shit. <laughs> yeah, I, like mine's definitely spicy, but on a scale of uh, uh, some sort of fairly benign uh, UK. Anglicized Indian food uh, to uh, ghost pepper shenanigans. Yeah, it's probably f fairly fairly unspicy <laughs> in, in that respect, but it's still spicy. Yeah. Um, so I chose Underworld Stunty for that. Okay. Um, with one star player, so I move up to tier three. Um, from tier four. 
Um, so that gives me access to 66 star player points. Mm-hmm. Yep. I took a troll. I took eight goblins. I took five snotlings. Uh, three rerolls and Morg. Uh, and that comes in at TV 1.1. Nice. On the notes. As More far as as far, well, yeah, as far as spending that 66 points go, this is, this is the spicy element, I think. Um, and it's the reason why I went Underworld as opposed to Goblins. Um, so I took Block on the Troll for obvious yep. reasons, but more reliable. Uh, gives you another uh, heavy hit in peace. I took two Goblins with Block so that gives me two blodgers. Um, so that's taken me up to 36 SPP so far. Um, and then I took one goblin with wrestle, horns, and two heads. So uh, Stacking that's, stack, stack. Yes, I spent 24 skill points on one goblin. <laughs> that whose whole sole purpose is to just be annoying. Yeah. Uh, like I, I want to, a team without tackle uh, to cage up here, and then waltz in on a two plus uh, blitz with a single dice uh, with wrestle, and I was like, yes, okay, that so that that gives me a couple of options. I can carry on one of the blodging goblins. They're still going to be annoying, even though they're strength too. You've got to have tackle to reliably take that down. You know, it's or wrestle. Um, it's still a, a decent piece. I've got two of them. I could even use them for for blitzing normally as well, if uh, with carefully placed uh, assists. And that's where the snotlings kind of come in as well. So that I've still got six SP remaining at that point, and I've chucked sneaky get on a snotling. Yep. So even even with uh, the slight nerf to sleep, sneaky get being that you can't move after uh, you've, uh, you've done the foul now, uh, I still think it's worthwhile. Um, I went with a, a slightly more snotlings as well because uh, underworld uh, snotlings also get swarming. So you, if I field two of them in in my drive. Uh, or on my team in a drive, I can possibly put another two on. Um, so that gives me 13 players on the pitch as opposed to 11. Um, yeah. So I think I think that, that kind of gives me numbers, again, like say for adding assists stuff, like fouls and things like that as well. Uh, it just it, it feels like an interesting roster. Um, and more obviously does when he's doing the business, he does the business. Uh, he's a pretty reliable throw teammate option. Yeah. Um, he is uh, an absolute beast with the mighty blow plus two. He's yep. strength six, so if people want to make an effort to try and take him down, they can. He's gonna he's gonna survive most hits with his high armor. You know, like. I thought. Well, yeah, he's armored eleven plus, isn't he? Yeah, it's it's going to be a it's going to be a difficult roster to deal with uh, unless you just kind of 
start chewing through snotlings and, and goblins. And even then, goblins are as di- difficult to take off as a, a normal kind of wood elf lineman or a, or what have you. They're still AV8+. Plus. So um, they're, they're reasonably uh, hardy when it comes to the stunty players. And I've got enough of the snotlings. I mean, it's a 15-player roster that so i've got enough of the snotlings to survive a few as well um, how many rerolls did you get with that three right so <laughs> still enough still enough to do what i need to do i think yeah. um i did consider a bribe in there as well but and like sneaky get gives me a bit of a bit of safety on that front so um i'm not so so fast uh with losing a snotling it's a 15k piece so um yeah, so I, th- I think I think that would be how I would go if I wanted to spice it up a little bit, a bit more tricky. You have to kind of watch how you're playing with it. But um, yeah, that 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 was my my roster and thought process for that one. I did look at a couple of other ones as well. I looked at um, um, snotlings, but they are they are in tier three. So if you take any star players, you're straight into tier two with that. So you're losing yep. quite a lot of. Uh, SPP, but at the same time, uh, because it's T- uh, TV 1.1 as opposed to TV 1.15, it's more difficult to take like two star players in most of these teams. It's not impossible, you have to give mm-hmm. up quite a bit, but uh, but yeah, and the, the additional having to you move up two tiers is the way I read it at least. You and, uh, and you read that correctly if you take two, uh, uh, if you go two tiers up the way with snotlings, you're in tier one, uh, which is doable. Like forty-two SPP is still a lot to have over um, over a snotling team, I think. Uh, but again, the the one point one cut that cut down what you could take um, for me with that. So yep. I chose against them. Um, I don't. I did consider halflings as well. Um, uh, but I ruled out goblins and monsters uh, because the underworld goblin team gave you a bit more options. Mm-hmm. How about you? What is what's Al's spicy roster? I also used some of the same rationale that you've just described, and I ended up with a um, stunty underworld as well. <laughs> okay. But I think I have I have leaned more into the the the, the chaos side of things. So nice. I have rostered eleven underworld goblins. Okay. I have then rostered in Morgan Thorg. Uh huh. And then I've also rostered in Hack Flame Skull Spike. Okay. So I've got uh, thirteen players on the roster. I've only got one reroll. <laughs> <laughs> Which as which regular listeners of the show will know that I do not like that at all. But what I'm thinking here is that Hackflame and Morg are going to be doing the work. And if they fail something, they're loner four plus. They're not going to be using rerolls anyway. Yeah. So therefore can afford to not have them. So, but what that obviously did for me was that moved me up from tier four into tier two, which Correct. leaves me with um, fifty-four star player points, or the equivalent, or nine primary skills. 
So IFC has gone absolutely fucking crazy with the mutations um, on the golems. So, uh, what have we got? Disturbing presence. Impact my opponent's ability to pick up and pass the ball. Two heads. He's the guy that goes in, does a lot of easy dodges to um, foul up the works for my opponent. I have given two of them prehensile tail because I, I truly believe that my opponent will have to be moving a lot of players um, to try and impact Hack Flem and Morgan Thorg. They, they, they shouldn't want to be trying to waste their time knocking down goblins. Um, so two pre- prehensile tail, and that'll mean there's three prehensile tail on the team in total, because um, Hack Flem's got it as well. Uh, I've given one goblin big hand. Mm-hmm. So um, ignore the tackle zone for scooping up the ball. I have got one with horns, um, just in just in case I need a, a cheeky sweeper uh, to try and grab that sort of one dice block on somebody or one dice blitz as it would be. Um, extra arms, again, just an auxiliary skill to have on the pitch. And then I decided to hand out a double, a secondary skill. Sorry. And I was torn between guard and dirty player or wrestle. And I couldn't decide on one of those three options. Um, I just felt that adding two more primary skills, I wouldn't really be adding much more to the team. Whereas guard, dirty player, uh, maybe wrestle is a sort of last resort thing. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Dirty player? I think, I think. I think wrestle, wrestle would, wrestle's got more utility, and yep. uh, like dirty players, dirty players not as good for stunty as sneaky kit is. Yeah, true. As a thingy. like I, I, I think I probably would have combined a couple of these guys into individual players, and it was one of the other things I thought about rather than taking block on one of. The, on one of the goblins was having an extra arms big hand player for recovery. Yep. Um, so so drop the 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 secondary for two primaries. Um, so you, you could you could go down that route. That's, that's actually yeah. a good point with this crazy list. You could stack. I yeah. neglected to, to remember the stacking ability because it doesn't cost you anything. You yeah, just pay like, the normal points. That's it. So you can have a couple of super, uh, super gobos in there, yep. and like the, like like with mine, the 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 wrestle, um, horns and two heads thing, um, gives you a bit more kind of. Yeah, that's that's exactly. Yeah, I could I could build the same guy. So two heads, horn, extra arms, big hands. Combine the two, keep the prehensile tails separate, obviously, and disturbing presence, um. Yeah, now, there's 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 good scope there, but but when you remember as well that Hack Flem and Morg are on both on the team, both on the pitch. Yes, scandalous stuff. See, I think you're looking at um, the um, big hand extra arms guy. So you're using the like a wrestle horns guy or whatever to pop the ball. You're picking it up with the um, big hands, extra arms guy, and then you're handing it off to Hack Flem 
in a way. Yep. That's your that would be my kind of synergy yep. that I'd be looking to kind of uh, go with on that one. Um, I think Hackflam is really good, uh, and I think he works quite well in that team. Uh, you have to protect him though, because he's he, with him not having block, mm-hmm. he's a bit of a he'd be a bit of a liability, but. Uh, but yeah, he's got, you know, be, as really as good. you know, he's got dodge, extra arms, prehensile tail, two heads, and he's got his once per game special ability, treacherous for um, taking a ball off an opponent, yes. off um, off a friendly player. Yep. Yeah. It's, you've got the you've got the options there. I think. Um, well, that's I, the thing, though. I know that's a once per game thing, but if you set yourself up. The turn before you score, so you you can eliminate a dice roll of handing that ball off. Oh, aye, and especially if they've put in a screen of some description where you can you you're pretty sure you can remove at least one tackle zone by blitzing with morgue or something. Then you're dodging through on two ups with um uh, with hackflam with a dodge reroll. Yep. Um, and on his really good movement as well. Um, you've got you've got options there, yeah. I think uh, I think uh, that that definitely kind of you can lean into that for sure uh, with clever placement of players and stuff. It's um, it's a, a good option to have. It's a game. It's a game winner. Yeah. Same as the throw team option on uh, on Morg with him being able to re-roll it. Um, um, yes, he's um, what's his rule? The the baluster rule. Once yeah. per game with Morg. Fails the passing ability test, um, you can re-roll it. So yeah, it gives you a bit more reliability on the throw, mate, and the fact he's got no negative traits either. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think if like I I could I definitely considered uh, um, the route you took as well. I think I probably would have uh, dropped a couple of goblins down to um, snotlings, so you could get mm-hmm. more. Um, more players, uh, but um, like I, I don't view in that roster. I don't view the one reroll thing as being a particularly difficult one to work with. Neither did I, because uh, almost everything you're doing has got some sort of failsafe built into it. You're not wanting to stand next to players, so you've got dodge built into every player apart from Morg. Yeah, um, you're only going to be hitting with Morg really um, on your roster unless you've got like a two dice block that's come about from being well placed so he's got block uh, so you're you're looking for uh, triple skulls at that point because you're going to be aiming to, you only need one assist on most things to get a three dice with Morg so um like that's fine. Handing off, um, or you're not going to be passing very often, so you don't really need a reroll for that. But handing off, you've got, um, like you say, you've got that built-in uh, once a game thing for uh, Hackflam, where you can negate that really uh, if you're looking to score a winner or a, or can or make sure you've scored your touchdown. Um, and you've got your potential re-roll for um for your morgue through teammate if you're doing it. So yeah, I 
there's there's so much stuff built in there. Yep. It, it doesn't really matter. The one rerolls a a frivolous thing. Mm-hmm. Um, your ball your ball your ball picking up or or whatever could go on a two plus. You know, and if you're failing two pluses, it's just the way it is. Sometimes it's always yep. going to happen once or twice. So, yeah, so there we have it. Lee, we have um, discussed four rosters. Two we would classify as serious, being Shambling Undead and Chaos Dwarfs. And then both myself and Phil have gone down the path of um, Stunty Underworld with, I think, I think actually if we combine both our roster ideas, um, you know, taking the double star players from mine and the, the skill stacking from yours, you actually come up with something pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I think I think if if you looked at what we were doing, like I I, as I said, mine was kind of on the on the less spicy side of spicy. Um, um. So yeah, if you if you took the troll out of mine and uh and then added hack flame in, uh, lost a couple of rerolls and then retained the yeah. stacking the stacking element of mine. Yep. Uh, and expanded it across another couple of players. I think you'd probably have uh, uh, pretty. Com- you'd actually have a quite a competitive team. It would just you would just need to be a bit bit above a kind of average to good player to to get something out of that. I think. Yeah, and then obviously the other thing that I might have sort of started to allude to was the, the Highlander rule. There can be only one. Um, yeah. You 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 then run that risk that you've got two star players. If you bump into somebody else that's maybe trying something similar to you, and you you know if you if you both got hack flame, you know a loss that that'll impact both your teams enormously by not having them. Yeah, I mean both teams are impacted in the same way. Uh, yeah, but if you came up against a, a higher tiered team that had better base players that was using hack flame. That would hit you a lot harder. Yeah, that, yeah. If you that came... was one of the reasons why I didn't go for two star players because, like, I could handle losing Morg. But the chances of me losing Morg, in order to get to to lose Morg, I'd be playing against another stunty team. Um, because yeah. very few teams would be able to build a competitive Morg roster. Yeah, but, but if, if this roster if this roster had to encounter a Skaven team that had somehow induced hack flame, that's that's the situation where you're impacted a lot more than your opponent is. I think if you encountered a standard underworld team that had hack flame, or a Nurgle team that had hack flame, or um, who else like? There's a few in there that can take him as well. Um, I think Chaos Chosen, you could possibly squeeze him in as well. And Snotlings, again, can take him. Um, you might run into a bit of bother. Um, just just purely because they've got a lot more in the team. Mm-hmm. You'd literally just be like... A, I mean, you still have Morg. Um so yeah, it's it's unlikely that you're going to come across one where it's got two play, uh, two of the same star players. But yeah, I suppose it could happen. Um, but uh, in putting this roster together, I didn't I didn't think of that as a worry. You know, just got no, to go no, with yeah, best, best foot forward. You can't second guess what people are going to do. Um, you know, I I don't know personally what's 
sort of popular in Melbourne at the Big V. You know, if it's if those sort of builds are you know the done thing, but um, I hope that not maybe not just Lee, but other other listeners to our to our podcast can take something away from this, and maybe the, the Australian players can you know get some ideas from 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 players that are not within their own community and uh, you know if we've approached it in a different way that we have if we've approached it in the same way that you guys have then tough shit (laughs) yeah it's a it's a nice rule set i think it's it's something a little bit different um from what we're used to seeing over here yep um I think uh, it would be one that would be quite fun to play. And it, there's a lot of variants available on that as well, I think, in terms of the types of things folk could go for. I know one of the reasons Snotling's in Tier 3 is because the last the last uh, Big V, I think, uh, Snotling's did particularly well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was an, uh, um, like an effort put in to uh, move them up the way, um, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, we'll be looking forward to seeing how Lee, Lee gets on, uh, what he ends up taking, and how he gets on with it. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. When, I, when you mentioned this to me, like I've got no idea how good a player he is either. <laughs> so, like when I'm thinking about what teams I would take, I'm, uh, I guess that's why I was a bit more conservative with the vanilla one, um, and still reasonably conservative with the. Uh, uh, with the the spicier one as well. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to have to wait a little while because um, the Big V, it's a, it's a two-day event and it's been held on the 18th and the 19th of November uh, 2023 and, um, in Melbourne, Australia. So we'll wait a few months and we'll see what, what happens, but hopefully they'll get big numbers, which I'm sure they, they will and usually do. And um, we'll find out if Lee took any of our rosters or if he decided to go his own path, or if he decided to wuss out and uh, sell his ticket to somebody else. There's, there's also um, the Cheeky V, which is the Sevens tournament that runs the night before, or the day before. Oh, yeah. On the Friday as well, at the same place, the Drill Hall. Um, so I'm sure that's a, it's a separate ticket for that, I think. But um, yeah, folk, folk were interested in three, games, uh, three days worth of Blood Bowl. Uh, there's that too. Um, like the, I would have loved to have gone to this tournament if I'd have been still been in Australia. Um, so I think yeah. anybody there should should make an effort to try and go. Yep, looks Melbourne's a, a nice place as well. Bit envious. Very, very true. I know. Bit envious now that we've talked about the rosters. Yes, I would. Um, I would definitely take the Chaos Dwarfs though. Yeah, I, Chaos Dwarfs were one of the the other ones. When we were when I was looking at um at roster options, I did the same as you, but I, I didn't discuss it. I was going through yeah. what I thought would work and what that wouldn't. A lot of it was the one point one. I mean, I know I can I can do okay with quite a few of these teams, but like Lizard Men were really hurt with the uh, uh the increases to prices. I could have done Norse um, orcs uh, are a bit more tricky with price increases as well, but um, still perfectly doable. Uh, I wouldn't have touched one of the elf rosters myself personally. I think Amazon's probably would have done quite well here as well with seven skills. Um, uh, you can do uh, quite a bit with that. Um, although you can't block spam, there's certainly 
enough that you can do in there with that. Um, yeah, I did have a look at some of the lower tier teams for this safer options, but like again, quite a lot of them have been hurt by uh, price increases. Um, so, and I'll be interested. Oh, something we didn't talk about or haven't talked about uh, is uh, the vampire team announcement. I was going to say that it'd be interesting to see if if uh, Johnny um, changes the uh, vampires over to um, the new roster. Did see what he said there because the moment he's just got up to spike fifteen, the Amazons <laughs> in, in the list. Um, but whether he adds that in because uh, they'll have been out for because they're due out there, they'll be out by the end of this month. Um, in, in people's possessions with the rule to till over a month yeah. till the big V. I'm sure you'll get some people giving him a bit of pressure to to allow them. I'll I'll be allowing them for Granite Pole in October. Yeah. Um what do you think of the models? Do you like them? I need to I need to I'll need to hold these guys. Yeah. It's an odd one. I, I really want to, to, to get a hold of them because I think they're painted well, obviously, by Games Workshop. Um, but yeah, I need to get a hold of these guys in my hand to decide if I like them or not. Something Something's not right. See, just looking at them, um, like on the, the... It's always difficult on Games Workshop's stuff to see exactly what a model's like because... Very often, the flat uh, front on or whatever, or odd angles that they're photographed at, don't give you the full feel for the model. Um, I think that might be the case with some of the thralls. Not mad keen on the the flouncy shirts. Um, yeah, but the theme's okay. I don't I don't mind it as a. Whole. Uh, I think it's interesting. I like the fact that you get. 14 players and it is probably aside from getting the Varg heist which is I actually quite like the model it's an annoying trail of bats though uh, that I can only imagine will break about a billion times over Uh, but again I don't know how substantial that is because you can't really see all the way around the model Um, so yeah so all you need to do is decide whether you're taking a Varg heist or not until we see the roster we don't know how the um, the variant uh, um, stuff, like so your blitzers, runners and throwers on the vampire side, we don't know how that will stack up into the how you would build a team. I'm guessing we'll go through this in, in the next episode, uh, given that yeah. it'll be brand new for us then. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what, what you can and can't take uh, in a starting roster. Uh, but 14 players in the box giving you pretty much everything I would assume uh, that you'd need uh, seems quite quite a good a good move by GW mm-hmm. I really like the Count Luther von Drakenborg model yeah that's the guy that's got the glasses isn't it? Yes yeah yes, I think I like the glasses that. the glasses detract from, from me in my opinion I like that and no. I, think I, I think I'm in a minority that I like the uh, new uh, star player, uh, Captain Karina von Rice as well. 
full-on Vampire Coast vibes for me. Uh, her hat's very reminiscent of uh, Count Noctilus or whatever his name is from uh, uh, Dreadfleet slash Total War uh, Warhammer th- sort of stuff. So I think uh, she looks pretty cool. You know, Vampire Coast vibe. Not sure about the Ivan the Animal Death Shroud model. Again, that's one I'm going to have to see close up because his uh, fucking hat wings uh, <laughs> are a bit on the uh, a bit on the the excessive side uh, on first inspection. Uh, he's uh, given Chaos Dwarves a run for their money with a hat height. <laughs> so yeah, uh, and no. and surprisingly, although I've not seen both sides of it, um, the vampire pitch looks like it might be playable. I have not seen pictures of that. I've just seen it on the the front of the uh, the the box for it, but it it looks fairly legible, uh, and uh, the squares are squares. So, so, and hopefully, well, I've not seen the flip side of it, but hopefully the other side's fine as well. Yep. I'm not a fan of the dice from what I can see. They appear to be a colorblind person's nightmare, looking like they are red and. Possibly either orange or yellow. Oh, I, I, I can't the dice tell. Thank goodness. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with the vamps. I, I've played a, a fair bit of uh, vampires in Blood Bowl 2020 uh, and online in the uh, 2016 rules. Yep. And uh, I would quite like to see where they go with it. So Should now play. that we've, we've segued away from the big V and we've sort of previewed talking about vampires um another quick topic to add on to our podcast um and then it spins off from from talking about the world cup is uh, the next eurobowl in greece oh yeah so you know when i was talking at the start of our podcast about re-engaging with the sort of the higher the upper levels of, of tabletop blood bowl um Eurobowl was put quickly put on my um, radar again, and it's mm-hmm. been held in Greece in 2024. And on top of engaging with the Big V player pack, I have engaged with um, via Fumble. They've got a what's the best term like test test tournament of the the Greece um, Eurobowl player pack. Yes, and I, be- and I believe you've you've read the player pack as well. Yes, or tried to. Well, yeah, that's what I'm. That's why we're going to do a little chat about it just now. Um, what an absolute fucking minefield of a player pack. Yeah, and and I get the impression, though, this is this is just the European pack. Well, I mean, I know you're saying that it's just the European pack, but there's oh no, I'm saying I get it- the impression. It would be wild, like very wild, if they split the two completely. Like having two separate rules packs running on a tournament like that. Or, I mean, it's it's not unworkable, but yeah, um, yeah. I think I'm not sure. I guess, I guess the reason I thought it was just a Eurobowl only is that you know Eurobowl is for this one. It's going to be four players per team, and on top of the normal. Well, I say normal, but the sort of accustomed tiering system of of the teams, 
and the available um, skills you can add. We've also got uh, team uh, packages that you can add on to them, and each yes. durable team gets a certain number of these points, and there's four options that you can spend the points on, and you can give them to one of your team team players. And they vary from, you know, you can buy one package that gives them an extra primary skill. But if you take that package, and again, this is from my interpretation of it, is that you're not allowed to then purchase three or more skills that are already on your team. Yes. Um, you know, so if I were, if, say, for instance, if I was creating a dwarf roster and I got this team package added on to me, I couldn't then spend it on block for my runner because I've got more than three block already on the team. Yes. So it was a bit fringe niche for lack of a better term. Then there's another team package that lets you add a star player. Um, but obviously you have to sort of go through the motions of um, getting your 11 players already and um, you know, being eligible to buy them so lower tier teams can get the star players. And then there's also a list of star players that are banned. Um, obviously, it's the good ones that you that you want. Yes. Um, so there's there's that. There's another option where you can sacrifice the options for skills to get extra money. And I think it's one skill equals thirty thousand gold pieces or something. Uh, there's a thing, and then there. I think the other one is you can stack stack a skill or something. Um, I can't quite remember. Then obviously there's a whole other mess of skills, but Greece. Well, I guess they're doing they're, they're doing the right thing in that they're testing it on on a on a platform that's that's popular, you know, on Fumble. And I can't remember the number, but I'm sure there's like 240 coaches signed up into teams of four. And we're we're going to play. I've 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 joined a Scottish team. You know, I want to test my skills again or improve my skills in Blood Bowl, and see if you know I can you know get back up to where I I, I would like to be. Um. But yeah, it was it was mind blowing. But again, as I said, they're doing the right thing. They're testing it, and obviously they'll get feedback from the sort of two hundred forty plus coaches that have signed up. Um, yeah. This event. I think I think they're doing a, uh, doing the right thing in testing it. They're doing it at totally the wrong time though. They they've the date for doing it um, for putting in rosters was the back end of, of this week, so like uh, less than a week after the World Cup. Yeah. So it's just it's just one of these kind of badly it's badly thought out in terms of timing for starters. Uh, one of the reasons why I'm not. Uh, playing it is that I, it's kind of snuck out of nowhere, and uh, I don't I don't have the time to devote to it. I didn't want to uh, make it difficult for um, my teammates uh, if I couldn't organise. Um, yeah, bad timing. The rules pack now it's it's clearly been translated from I'm assuming Greek, given that it's a. Greek thing into English because some of the stuff is really difficult to follow. Yes, and it's bad. It's badly worded in English, 
most likely because it's been translated. That that that's fine. You know, like uh, Greek is obviously the Greek people's first language. You know, like fair enough. But um, I think we, uh, without being arrogant uh, or assumptive here, uh, English is a slightly more universal language to uh, to communicate a, a blood bowl pack in. So it might have made sense to get somebody to proofread it in English to allow them to sort of cut off any issues that they might have in translation. If, if somebody has done that, fuck yeah. knows who read it. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, because uh, there's no way that would have got past anybody uh, or should have got past anybody without them saying, uh, yeah, what does that mean? Like, how this is the possibly the most roundabout way you could say this thing. Can we not simplify this a little bit? Is this what you're trying to say? Because I can quite clearly write that in a sentence and a half rather than six sentences. Yeah. That, that sort of thing. You know, it, it's just... And it's an odd rule set. If it was an easy rule set, it would be easier to navigate that aspect of it as well. Um, but because there's so many different options and things to put uh, to consider in amongst it, it's it doesn't lend itself well if there is a problem translating something. So it's it's just it just seems like it's been it's unnecessarily complicated in this instance. But it will be good to see how it works in practice. Yeah. I don't. I don't think, in principle, it's a bad rule set. I just think it's complica complicated for complicatedness' sake. And it's stuff like banning. If it if it is a European only rules pack, which is a possibility, um, as we've discussed, banning star players or particular star players from the European side of it seems particularly pointless because the European side of it is less um, contested in that, the, in that there's more people who do the European side of it for fun. I could see them banning certain star players for the competitive side of it or the, the more competitive side of it, which is the actual Eurobowl side. So it's it's weird stuff like that. You know, like I, I, I'd assumed that it was the same it was going to be the same rule set across, but you you might be right. Um, it may be two separate rule sets, um, in which case that that's that's quite wild because it would be difficult to uh, you'd effectively need two teams of people uh, to um, manage that um, yeah. on the day because you would need your refing team to be focused on the individual. Res uh, sides of the tournament and two sets of refs would have to be briefed completely differently um, to do that effectively in, in my opinion. It's a strange one like I, I'm not I'm not filled with confidence on it uh, but it would be good to see it in practice uh, I'm yeah. also not filled in with confidence that we don't have a date yet the vague it'll be in October at the start uh, is uh, a bit disconcerting a year out. Uh, they should really have something nailed on by now. Um, I know they've probably been holding off on that for, s for several reasons. The World Cup maybe being one of them. 
um obviously wildfires in um in greece over the summer probably haven't helped things in terms of infrastructure and a few other bits and bobs so there, there may be things happening behind the scenes that are a contributing factor to that but the communication from uh the the team that's hosting it to the wider mm-hmm. community so far has been pretty poor you know like um there was there's been a long a long assumption that it's it's been in greece but there's been no actual con like proper confirmation i think i asked somebody at naf on their facebook page a while back and they said oh yeah it's definitely in greece and there i, I believe there is a greece facebook a greece event facebook page and the uh, eurobowl thing has flipped to greece but bear in mind it sat on being in poland for uh for well over a year uh when everybody knew it wasn't going to be in poland <laughs> so it's uh, uh last year so uh yeah it's i, I hope the the that things start to line up and start to kind of make more sense in that but there it's uh it's not uh it's not it's not where i would want it to be yeah well i as we've been talking, I've just sort of logged on to Fumble and had a look. So they've generated the draw for the first round. So awesome. they're going the full due diligence. We're playing six rounds, one round per week. I have picked a, a dwarf team. Yep. I was, I, was, I was coming up with some wild ideas because there are wild options available. Um, obviously, we're not going to do a deep dive of the Greek player pack because I expect it to change drastically. Um, yes. So I went middle of the road. I've been playing Dwarfs online all year. Um, and because it's a team event, you know, Dwarfs are a good safe bet to to generate some draws or, you know, not, maybe not gain points, but I'm not going to try and lose any points. And I have been thrown up against uh, an Orc team. And okay. the NAF name is Lihulk, L-I-H-U-L-K. His NAF or their NAF number is two five five two five. Um, He's quite clearly been playing for a reasonable amount of time then. Uh, um, probably know what they're doing. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how you get on and I'll look to hearing about it uh, from the various Scottish people who are taking part in it. Um, yeah. And like we said, I think it's a great idea that actually tested it out uh, and Fumble's obviously a good option for doing it. Um, yeah. So it, it it will bring out any any issues or potential uh, pitfalls as the games go on. I'm sure uh, that will allow them to finesse it a little bit, or, or or even just kind of confirm that it's a it's perfectly fine and it works yeah. works, which is great. You know? uh, so yeah, kudos to them for running the tournament on Fumble. It's a good idea. Yeah, but maybe something they should have done six months ago. No, I mean, I don't think I don't think they needed to have done it six months ago. Um, I think they could easily have done it like a month from now. Um, like, uh, they they should have had the the date nailed on two or three months ago at the latest, I think. But uh, the turn this fumble tournament, they could run any time. I think um, any time before the end of the year this year. I think they'd like to say they jumped in a bit too late. But, um, I, I, in terms of coming in 
directly after the World Cup. I think that was a mistake. Mm-hmm. They probably could have got more people to play if they'd uh, um, if they'd have done it a little bit further apart. Yeah. Well, but, looking now though, um, there are two hundred and eighty-eight players. And and on top of that, there are twenty four players in North America. They they did something different, you know. They separated the North Americans out, um, so they are running the they are running the tournament pack as an individuals event. Yeah, that, Whereas, that, that that's down to obviously to time, time zones and stuff like that. Because trying to organise people to play uh, from America and other time zones. In- the UK or Europe or any any other places where you've got like massive delays between the two or odd times of the day yeah that's a nightmare Uh, so yeah yeah, hopefully hopefully well they'll get to see how it works in an an individual set as well which is fine good good all good experience for the set and the rule set good so with that all being said and done Phil I think it might be time for us to sign off for the podcast for this time yeah, you got much else planned for the next next month? Uh, well, look in between now and our next recording, I will have um, the Bolt Action Scottish Nationals two day Bolt Action event in Scotland being held in Bathgate at Nightly Games. So I am competing at that, and um, if this all goes hand in hand, I'll have played at least three if not four games on Fumble for this um, Eurobowl tester, and I will also have played at least one other Fumble game uh, from the Snail Cup, so uh, it should be a busy month ahead for me. You? Well, I've got... um, I'll have at least two, maybe three league games between now and the next recording, Um, but a lot of my month in the next kind of month going to be kind of last or, or sort of leading into prepping for Granite Bowl the end of October yep. um, so I've got uh, sponsorship wise for that um, I've, I've not got overly heavy on sponsorship, I'm providing a lot of it myself uh, as Granite Miniatures there's a fair amount of stuff uh, that I'm putting in um, but I've also got um, confirmed, although I'll put more details out over the next uh, couple of weeks as to what, what I've got confirmed in terms of what they're giving us. Um, but uh, I have the the Army Painter. Um, they're, they're giving uh, the tournament some stuff. Um, Exit 23 games, um, mm-hmm. Doc Miniatures, and the Rulebook Tab guy as well. What's his? What's the, what? What the fuck's that thing called again? So you've seen these things, haven't you? Um, what, what are they? So they are um, like a, a set of tabs that you can put into um, your rulebook that um, give you um, easy access to where things are when you're well, just like a little at... index sort of thing. Yeah, totally. Um, so. Um, I think he is just called rulebook rulebook tabs now. Um, but yeah, he does. Uh, he's given me a, a um, like three sets of those uh, to give away as well. 
um and they they look pretty cool i know i know he's got um i think he's got necromunda ones as well um pretty good. and um i think there are ones for other for other ones of um of the blood bowl books as well uh but this is for the main the main rule book yeah they, they look pretty cool they're easy to easy to install as well um so yeah bunch of bunch of different things so far probably a few more to add now and then um but yeah i happy happy with the the interactions i've had with the the companies i'm dealing with uh, uh and for the support they're given so far and i'll be putting out more details of what they're giving us fairly soon too cool oh, yeah Aye. well also until next time listeners i hope you enjoy a, a safe time and happy gaming Yep. Take it easy. Goodbye.